But last week as well, we uh, talked about having a Levolution with Christmas. And uh, so we passed out these brochures, um, a Levolution with Christmas. And our whole idea this year is we want to have a dramatic change in the way that we view Christmas and the way that Christmas works. That's what a revolution is. A revolution is a dramatic change in how something works and your idea about it. And so we feel like uh, Christmas needs to have a radical uh, dramatic change in their ideas about it. So what we're asking all of us here at K2 The Church to do is, again, to consider taking a portion of your budget. We're not asking you to spend more, anything but that, but we're asking you, would you to consider taking a look at your budget and taking a portion of that. Just sit before God and say, God, man, thanks for giving us blessing. And I can't wait to bless my wife and my kids at Christmas. I think we should. But I think we also have more than what we need. And let's, how can we take care of those who are actually in need around us and around the world? So uh, what we have here are these brochures, and you can go through them and, and uh, find 10 different things that uh, we support, that we're involved in here at K2, and you can actually uh, give a donation uh, to these as a Christmas gift. You can, and, that, and actually, that's one of the things as well out in the lobby you'll see. We, we have these little cards now that we wanted to offer to you to be able to say, if you wanted to give someone a gift and say, hey, you know what, I know that sweater I give you every year uh, probably isn't, you've, you probably haven't worn it all year long. Um, I'd actually like to give you a gift by changing someone's life this year instead of just giving you something material. If you'd like to do something like that, we actually have a gift card that, we, you, that can help you out with that. So, um, but one of them, I just, we're going to highlight a few of these through the weeks go by. Um, if you, uh, the fifth one on here is uh, giving to K2 families. And uh, we have a, a ministry here that we've been using called K2 Acts. And um, it's basically an opportunity for us to take care of the people who are within our own community. And sometimes that's financially, sometimes it's just with stuff. People will come up and they'll have a physical need, and it, an email will go out uh, to the community here at K2, and, and then people who might have that resource can help out. It's been really, really cool. Now, last week, we talked about a evolution with our resources, okay? That the radical, dramatic change that will happen inside you once God actually starts partnering with your heart is you're going to become generous. You... In fact, the verse we looked at last week said, how can the love of the Father be inside of you if you see someone who has a need and you don't care, if you, if you shut the door on your heart to that? So I challenge you guys to say, okay, and, and most people raise their hands and they said, all right, we're going to go out this week and we're going to find some opportunity to take care of somebody. We're going to do somehow, I'm going to so, show some generosity, and then I asked you to go ahead and write those experiences back to us at mystory@k2thechurch.com. So send us an email. Yeah, I just want to share one of them with you, because uh, I think this is so cool that somebody actually, you know, didn't just come to church and go, hey, nice message, and go home and live the same way. They actually came and took what they heard, and they put it into action. This is so cool. And I love this, because at, at the end of her first paragraph, she goes, so I did a few small things this week um, to help with our family's evolution." And she says, I bought a Groupon to a great restaurant for a single mom with one child who has been unemployed for a year and a half. Isn't that cool? That is a great idea. So all of us Groupon living social people, now you got a great idea this week, right? She goes, I visited my neighbor in the rehab center. She just had both of her knees replaced at age 50. Awesome. People right next door to you, how do you show the love of God? Just take care of the people who are right around you. She goes, I talked at length with my daughter about our Christmas giving and made some giving decisions. Found a place for a free mammogram and an inexpensive annual exam for an unemployed, uninsured friend of mine. Isn't that awesome? I mean, this is so cool. You know, just a few small things I did this week. I spent more time each day being grateful about all that God has given me. My daughter and I revived our gratitude journal, which we write in each day. Just, as, just a simple thing that we're being thankful every day. Isn't that awesome? So people totally receive the love of God today because it's inside you, and that's what happens. A, a dramatic change happens inside your heart. God's love comes inside, and it just gets pushed out. It's so cool. The other thing, though, with K2X, we had a family that moved here recently, and uh, they were not able to bring their furniture with them. <clears throat> and so uh, they put out on this need, first of all, for a place to stay on K2X, and somebody uh, supplied a, a room for them for two months. See, that's how it works. It's like, hey, I don't have a place to stay. I have a room. Bam, somebody was taken care of for two months. When the rest of his family came out, they weren't able to bring their furniture with them. Put out the request, and this is what's crazy. So we talked last week about being generous with your, you know, having this evolution and a dramatic change about how you deal with your resources. And somebody went home, and they said, you know what? 
They go, I have a complete set of furniture in storage. Like, let me look at this real quick. Um, a full set, lamps, end tables, couches, beds, etc. the full deal. And she said she had it sitting there, um, hoping that someday that she would use it again. But after Sunday, realized that someone could be using it, not to mention using the money she was paying for, to store it each month, okay? <laughs> See, this is so, that's, our, that's what we are. We're Americans. We got, man, I got more than I need. What do I do with it? Well, I pay more money to have it stored. <laughs> I mean, that's just what we do. See, the, the kingdom of God gets inside of you, and this kind of stuff happens. So she called K2 and wanted to see if we would happen to know of anybody who happened to need it. Isn't that crazy? Is there anybody who happens to need my stuff in storage? Yes, there's somebody who just moved here who couldn't have their stuff, and his family just got here. So he was able to give them everything that they needed. And by the way, before they had furniture on K2X, they said, hey, we don't have any beds. And they, people totally supplied them with air matches, mat- mattresses during this time. And, uh, and then the coolest thing was, as she said, she totally got chills when she found out that the person who actually had the need was somebody that she had just met. And she got to complete it. Now, is that stuff fun? Yeah, see, this is fun. This is what, yes, thank you. You can applaud. This is what it's about. This is really good. See, this is, this is the church. This is the revolution. This is what happens when God's love comes inside of you. Everything changes. You change. And God's stuff gets happen all around us. Okay? So it's really exciting. So I just want to encourage you. Um, just, I, I, I wanted to share those stories with you again because K2X is one of the things that you can sponsor here. Uh, last year, in the last year and a half, we've given out over six, I think it's over $16,000 to people in our own community, helping them find rent or if they needed food or if they needed whatever. We, just, we had finances that went out and we had material possessions that went out. It's really, really cool. Now, um, here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do is uh, you can go through this brochure. Here's a card that you can fill out. There are three different ways that you can put your gift in for the Love Illusion. The first one is um, you can just fill it out at any time with a check and stick it in the offering basket. So any Sunday you're here, you can just stick it in there. Uh, the other thing you can do is just put it in, a, and all this is in the brochure. You can uh, write a check, put it in the card, and then mail it in to the church, and we can take care of that. Now, the, sec- uh, the third way, which I mentioned last week, is we also want to just make this really easy and do everything online, okay? And so uh, we, to do that, you have to have online giving. Now, I don't know if you guys do this or not. Um, Susan and I totally do all of our giving here at K2 electronically. And so if some of you, now I just want to tell you, if you've been using online giving here at K2, you, you need to follow this process with me because we're putting in a new system. We kept finding these bugs in our old one. And so we've come up with a brand new system. So if you want to use Lovelution and just do your Christmas giving uh, through Lovelution online, or if you want to just do your general offering here to K2 online, I'm going to walk you through real quick how this works, okay? So you just go to our website. That's the front page right now of our website. And over there on the right-hand line, there's a little circle, and you hit online giving. You hit that button, this page will pop up. And I can't see that. So uh, it says a new user sign up. All right, so you'll click on new user sign up. It'll take you to this page. All you do there is put in your phone number. Now, I know that little red thing says Dave Nelson's personal number, so if you can read that, you can have it. Um, But uh, you just put in your phone number. If you're already in the system, you'll jump to this next page, and a lot of your information will already be there if you're already in the K2 Fellowship One system. If you're not, then you just fill out that stuff, or this is your great chance to fix it just in case it's wrong, all right? Then you click the button again. You go to the next page. Right here, at the very top, it'll say donation. The first little one is donation, then payment, then um, recurring donation. And uh, payments are, what's really cool about this too, is if we go on, if your kids are going on retreats, or there's camps, or there's different things that we're doing, and you need to make a payment, you'll just be able to do that online. But the donation, you put that, and if you want to just do your general offering here at K2, you can just hit donation. There's a list on the bottom. All of the Lovelution options will be on that list. Or the general offering. You just click it, put the amount you want in, and then you go on to the next page. All right? So this page here, there is one that's called recurring giving, that third button you can push. That's what Susan and I do. I don't know about you guys. If you're random like me, um, it's a whole lot easier to one time go, yes, every two weeks or every paycheck I want to give this month. You know, if you're a regular giver to, to God and you tithe to the church, it's just a much easier way to do it. So that's how we do it. We just stick it in, and I don't have to think about it again. And I just know that what I want to give to God happens every month, whether I'm on top of it or not. So if you'd like to do recurring giving, that's what it, that is. You just stick that in. It'll take you to this page, and then you can fill out the information there um, to, to make that happen. All right? 
So, I believe that's it. Now, here's the other thing. We decided to actually enter the 21st century at K2. You know, we, we try to be a church that's a little on edge, and yet we're always a little bit behind. Uh, anybody got smartphones? How many, how many of you guys have got smartphones? Okay, probably about half of us in here. Here's what you look. If you'll grab your program right now and look on uh, the program, you'll see now every week on the right-hand uh, top, there is the QR code. Is that right? Am I saying that right? You can tell how uh, technically advanced I am. So we have there, the QR code is there for you. What that means is, and I did this this week, you just go on your phone, you download a free app to be able to use the QR code, and all you have to do, in fact, you could try it right now if you have it, if you already have one of these apps on your phone, is you just scan that code, and it takes your smartphone directly to the online giving page. Uh, so that web page will pop right up for there, and then you can just do your banking right there. So we just, we just know, this is how most people are, move, we're all moving into paying uh, for things like this, and we just wanted to go ahead and give you the easiest option um, to be able to, to do your giving uh, here at K2. So now there, you really have three ways to give. It says two. Well, these are two new ways, which is true. You can use your phone. You can go to your desktop or your laptop and go right online, or obviously just here on Sunday. All right? If you have any questions about this, please just, just email us and contact us, and we'll, we'll help, you, help you with that. All right? So, uh, just wanted to make you aware of those things as we're moving forward. And you guys, again, I just want to encourage you. Sit down with the people in your home. Sit down with your friends. Whoever it is, sit down with God. And seriously ask him, what is it that you want us to do with this love illusion? You have blessed us. We're a steward of your resources. How do you want us to spend your Christmas? And especially if you have kids, man, get the kids involved, and you will have a blast getting a chance to bless people like the two stories I just shared with you. All right? Very cool. Okay, so we're going to shift things around a little bit today because I uh, really believe the end of the service is going to be powerful. And I, wanna, I just want to be able to sit in the moment when we get there. So we're going to go ahead and actually take our offering right now. And uh, so our greeters are, are ready. And if you have come today, again, I, I, I feel like I want to say this with confidence to you. If you're visiting here today in K2, you're just checking us out. I really do just want to say you are so free just to, don't worry, we are not here trying to get people's money at all. But what we do do is if, you, if you're a believer in Christ and you've come, like this t- message we gave last week, if you've had the love illusion in your heart and you just know that you want to be generous and faithful with, with what God's given you, he says, here's the chance. Because everything, every dollar you will put in this plate will go to what God is doing in his work here at K2, in the city, the valley, and around the world. Okay, so to be faithful to God and give joyfully, I want to encourage you, you can do that right now. And then the last thing, uh, before I jump in the message, is this. Um, We've had another amazing group, I think about 40 people or so, who've been taking Discover K2. And and that is, is if you're new here and you're just wondering who we are, what we're about, what we believe, how you get connected, if anything about K2, uh, right after this service, over in the other warehouse on the second floor, uh, we have a thing called Discover K2, and uh, that's what we do. We just wanted to give you just some really easy first steps to connect with us, to hear from some of our leadership, and to meet some people. And uh, so we just encourage you, if you're new, please join us. We'd, we'd love to connect with you and get you plugged in. All right? Okay. Okay, that was a lot of talking, and I haven't even started yet. Would you guys do me a favor? Would you stand up and greet one another just so I can shut up for a minute? And uh, just love each other, uh, welcome each other, and then we'll keep going. All right, thank you very much.
tell you guys, um, you know, I really do love what I do, um, and I, I love nothing more than, um, than getting a chance to just to, to meet with you on these days and share with you. And uh, man, I can't wait for today. So it does not get any better and any worse than what I get to share with you today. And so, um, so I'm really, really excited. And uh, we'll pray here in just a minute. I'm going to kind of set us up, and then we'll pray. But I just want to, ah, it's good to be here. So let me just kind of catch us up to speed here a little bit on this revolution, why we're calling it this. Um, the definition, I've already said it, of a revolution is when there's a dramatic change in the way something works or in your idea about it. Everything completely shifts. It's a complete revolution in your heart and in your mind. It's, it, that's what we're talking about. And what we're saying is, is if God... Really, the God of the universe, the God as we'll look at today, who's holy and perfect and loving and way more powerful than we can even imagine. We can't even dream up how amazing God is. If that God decides to come and join in you and to have a relationship with you and to bring fellowship into your life, everything changes. And it just does. It could not. How could us in our little infinite world meet with this God and stay the same? So a love-illusion is what we're calling it, because God's love, once it gets inside you, it literally changes everything. And so, um, so John, in chapter 1 last week, he said, Man, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The word of life, the reasoning principle, the, the purpose, the designer, all of that, we've actually seen him. We've heard him and we've actually touched him. And he goes, the life appeared. And then in verse 3, he goes on, he says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son. So John is going, everything we're going to go through from now all the way through Christmas is the book of 1 John where he just said, oh my gosh, i got to tell you about this because we so want you to have fellowship with us because we're actually fellowshipping with God. I saw him, I heard him, and I touched him, I experienced him, and I still am. I still am. And here's the point. If you would actually have fellowship with us, we fellowship with God, and it's really cool. And so that word fellowship, again, as I said last week, growing up in a, in a traditional church setting with fellowship halls with jello molds and, you know, potato salads is a little bit different than what we're talking about here. This word fellowship means that you are actually joint participators. You jointly participate in something. You share something. God's life gets embedded with your life. That's what baptism is. Baptism is when you get completely enmeshed with the very life of God. And so what John is saying is, I have that going on. We have that. God's life is in us, and we're experiencing his life. So come hang out with us. And then I love what he says in verse 4. He says, we write this to make our joy complete. Oh, you guys. Our joy. And I don't know, I was in white box yesterday, so I don't know if, but the, it was so amazing. I always said, why, is, why does he say our joy? Why doesn't he say their joy? Doesn't he do this for them? No, what he's saying is, our joy, this community, K2, the church's community, our fellowship has a chance to come to complete joy. And John writes us to this. You guys in for that? Okay, four of you. Oh, yeah, I'll take some joy. I actually appreciate the despair, but it's okay. I'll take some joy. All right, so here we go. So that's where we're at. So John desires us for this. And so last week, we, as I already mentioned, we talked this love illusion, this radical, dramatic change happens with our resources. Today, here's what we're looking at. Is you and I will have a complete love illusion with ourselves once we actually engage with God. There will be a dramatic change in how your life works and here's what's, what we're going to tell mainly about today. There will be a dramatic change in how you view yourself. There will be a dramatic change in what your belief about you. And so what I have three points we're going to look at today, and they're this. You will have a realization of your relationships, both with God and each other. 
you will have a realization of your sin. That's the good part. Can't wait to get to that. And you will have a realization, a dramatic change of your freedom. That's what we're going to look at today. Love illusion with your relationships, with sin, and with freedom. You guys ready? Okay, let's pray. Lord, I'm going to speak. I'm going to do my best to just share your word and to proclaim what is true. But we know if we really are going to have a love illusion today, if there's going to be any dramatic change by the time we leave here, then what we have to do is actually hear from you. And we have to engage with you. And that is simply my request this morning. Would you open the eyes of our heart so we might see, so we might realize, so we might have a dramatic change in how we view ourselves in relationship to you. That's it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so open up your Bibles, you guys. We are in 1 John chapter 1. You know, I don't know about you all, if you've been a Christian for a while. I, you know, there's certain chapters, there's certain passages that I just know, that I just, that I go to. The pages are brown there, you know, <laughs> and there's white, big white sections in the Old Testament. And, you know, in the end you have these dirty little streaks in your New Testament because you just go there all the time. I'm telling you, 1 John chapter 1 is where I live. I live in this chapter. I go back to this chapter all the time. So to get a chance to just teach it is just so cool. I can't wait to share this with you. And I hope that it will become your reality like it's my reality. Um, It's really good. So here's the first thing, a realization of our relationships. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, verses up on the screen. Uh, Starting with verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie. And we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Let's hit those first three verses and talk about a love illusion, a revelation, a realization that needs to take place about our relationships. Here's the first thing. Let's talk about a realization of our relationship with God. Um, I am sure that many of you in this room, like me, okay, have these questions. Um, If there's a chance that I can really fellowship with God, and if there's a chance, like John says, man, I've got joy, woo, and I can't wait to share it with you, and you sit here in church every week, or you read the Bible every week, and you go, man, have I actually ever even had fellowship with God? Don't raise your hands on these. I'm going to ask you questions, but don't raise them. You ever feel like that? Me? Have I even ever had fellowship with God? I, I don't even know. I, I grew up in Sunday school or went to church, and I have all these de- ideas about God, and I hear about God, but I don't even know if I experience God. Or has it only been just like a little taste? If I just had like little taste, or whew, what was that? Smelled something, you know? Why is it, if it's so great to have fellowship with God, that our lives are characterized by so little experience of God. I tell you, what I love about K2, the church, is people from all over, all walks of spiritual journeys are here. I hope even right here in this morning, some of you are here and don't, you just think this is a bunch of hogwash. I so hope you're here. That's why we started the church, just to give you a safe place and a chance just to ask your questions and, be, and see if this could possibly be. Some of you guys have been so religious your whole life and, and it's so dead and it's so burdensome and it's so boring. <laughs> and you just go, why don't I experience God if this is possible? So we need a realization of our relationship with God. Well, here's John's answer. So he starts this whole thing off and he, the very first thing he says is, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness of all. John's answer to why am I not experiencing what apparently is there, the first thing he says is, you've got to start with God. In the beginning, 
No, in the beginning, God. It was just, in the beginning, God. See, the story's about God. And so what happens is we usually start with ourselves. Okay? And this is one of the first parts. In the beginning. So here's the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light. See, the very first thing we need to do is understand this truth about God. That he is, he is who he says he is. Then the next thing he says is we need, and if we're going to start with God, we actually have to let God reveal himself to us and not have our idea of God. See, because if we start with ourselves, then we usually start with our preconceived notions of who we think he is. And what John said was, this is the message we heard from him. <laughs> this isn't the message that I, this isn't what I think. This isn't, you know, I, I've done a lot of, I studied philo- philosophy and I've studied, got my doctorate in this and I've in religion. And no, John says, I saw him, I heard him, and I touched him, and this is what he said. The reason, the word, the organizing principle of ev- all of our existence came, and I'm going to share with him about you. We see you guys, we have to be really careful because some, so much of the time we say, why am I not experiencing God? Lots of times it's because our idea of who he even is is not who he is. Does that make sense? Okay? So you got to start with him, not yourselves, and then you got to let him reveal who he is instead of you making up your idea of who you think he should be. <laughs> okay? And then the third thing he says is you have to start with a holy God. you got to start with a holy God. God is light, and in him there is, you know, a few corners of darkness. Of, you know, you, you can trust him most of the time. No, there is no darkness in him at all. In the scriptures, you guys, light is revealed is that it represents truth. It represents what's real. It represents reality. So it's the same thing, right? If you're in a completely dark room, you're guessing, right? And you're going, I think, uh, I hope. You run into stuff. You're like, oh, what was that? You hear a noise. You're like, what was that? What? What? You don't know, right? Because you're in the dark. Someone turns on their light. You go, ah, that's reality. God is light. In him there's no darkness. He is reality. So everything he reveals is true. You and I, as we'll see here in a little bit, we're in darkness. We're trying to figure this whole thing out. We have to start with a holy God because God is light. In him there's no darkness. It represents truth and reality. But light in scripture also always represents a moral and virtue, a moral conduct and a virtue. See, because all of God's ways, everything that's true about him is what? Good. Everything that he reveals about himself is what's right. And ultimately, it all culminates in this thing that we call, and he, because he called it, love. See, so once you, if you're in the light, what that means is you're actually in God's reality, which is always right, it's always good, and it's always loving. You guys follow me? Okay, so when you run into God, John's first thing says, man, why am I not experiencing God? Why? Because you have to start with a story, and here's the story. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. See, the gospel, this is so good. The gospel does not start with love. The gospel starts with light. The gospel starts with every human being coming to a realization that there is a holy God. And I'm I'm telling you right now, you cannot, you never will be able to understand God's love until you understand that he's holy and he's absolutely righteous and perfectly pure. He is light and in him is no darkness. And so we have to come to this realization and that his perfection ultimately is love. So the love illusion, the first thing that happens to somebody when they start to engage with the real true God is this radical, complete understanding now, a realization. God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. Now, he goes on, he says, if we claim to have fellowship, joint participation with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and don't live in the truth. Okay? Now, this is just kind of one of those things you, you, you read it and you go, okay, crap, that makes sense. Right? See, this is one of those times where, where you see John going, I've got great joy. Woohoo! This is awesome. And, and really, what is it? It's the fact that God's light and you're in the darkness and you can't have fellowship with him. You're like, really? That's the good news? 
Because if he's purely light and purely right and purely holy, what he's saying is I can't participate, have fellowship with things that aren't right. If as soon as God, it's like, okay, let's just put this in a real practical way, right? So you're hanging out with, with God. You're hanging out with Jesus. He's actually here in the flesh. And you're hanging out with him. You're sharing fellowship with him. You're totally jointly participating in him, right? And then you decide, I don't know, there's so many evil things. Can we just, I don't know, you got your deal. You, you go to a website, you shouldn't go. And you go, hey, Jesus, come on, just hang out with me. What's he going to do? No, <laughs> I can't participate in that. So see, you can't say, claim, I'm having fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness at the same time. And I just want to tell you guys, this is an issue of many of us, maybe all of us at some degree in this room. We think we can do things opposing to God and be in fellowship with him. His answer in here, the revolution, the love-olution, the dramatic change that happens in your life is you realize that can't happen. All right? Now, I I need to bust through to keep going. So here's here's the third thing he says in verse 7. Go ahead and throw that up, Shannon. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. What I love about this passage, he says, God is light, and in him there's no darkness. If you claim to have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, you lie. Those two things are incompatible. But if you actually get in the light, wouldn't you think that John would say, if you get in the light, then you have fellowship with God. Wouldn't that make sense? Look what he says. If you get in the light, you have fellowship with who? With each other. Isn't that interesting? Oh, you guys wait for the next few weeks, you guys, as we get into this and unpack this. It's awesome. Because here's what he's really saying with us, just real quick. If you walk in the light and in the truth and in God's teachings, Jesus is the one who said, if you hold to my teachings, then you're really my disciple. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you guys hear that? See, we like the, whoo, the truth will set me free. Yeah, okay, it will. But you got a hold of his teachings. <laughs> then you're really his disciple. Then you know the truth. See, what all he's saying is, you're walking in the light. You're walking in my ways. You're walking in what I teach. And here's what God teaches. Love each other. If you actually did what I said, if you actually forgave people when they hurt you, if you actually were patient, if you were kind, if you made every effort to live in the bond of unity, if you followed my teachings, you know what would happen? You guys would have fellowship with each other. And so one of the evolutions that happens for me, that's happened with me, is I can tell you this right now. If two people, and this is marriage, work relationships, kids, doesn't matter. If I'm literally having fellowship with God and I'm walking with him, and Susie's doing the same thing. You know what happens? We have fellowship with each other. Woo! It gets really good. If one of us is in the light, walking in his ways, and the other one is walking in darkness, not walking in his ways, what happens to the fellowship? It, it doesn't work. Now you put two people not walking in the light. Good luck. See, so one of the realizations, the love illusions that comes once God gets inside of you is you can know right now, if my relationships aren't working, one of us is not walking with God. One of us is not holding on to his teachings and following him. And usually, man, just get in the mirror and look at yourself. Because almost always, always, right? That's why Jesus said, hey, take the log out of your eye, right? Before he tried to take the speck out of the other person's eye. Because it's so easy to see how everybody else isn't walking with Jesus, Right? Take it, take a while, take this puppy out <laughs> before you even try that other thing. So here's the realization, the love illusion that takes place when God gets inside of you. He goes, listen, I'm light. If you're in darkness, you and I, we're not hanging together. And you're not receiving what I have for you. And if we were not hanging together, it's probably not going very well out there either. So you can have, you can look at your relationships as a byproduct, as a test to go, how am I doing with this? Okay? That's the first thing. That's the realization that happens in our relationships. Then he goes on, and the second thing that happens is this, is you have a realization of your sin. So verse John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 says this, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Verse 10 says, If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word has no place in us in our lives. Okay, 
Shannon, you can just kind of go back and forth with me as I, as I look at these. The first one says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. The second one says, if we claim we have not sinned. See, so the first one is saying this. If we don't believe that we're in sin um, or in darkness, then what we're saying is we don't really have a problem. And there's, there's two things here. One, the first one in verse, I'm sorry, in verse 8, is a realization, a lovelution that takes place inside a person once this light of God comes inside you, is you go, I have sin. I just do. You know what sin is, you guys, at its core? At its core is I live for me. I am totally centered on me. I am bent towards myself and away from God. And one of the things that happens when you run into this holy God is you finally realize, wow, I don't listen to you. I don't like following you. <laughs> I've got my own way and my own plan and my own deal, and God calls that sin. Yeah, you do. You have sin. And see, if you claim that you don't have sin, I mean, if anybody would actually claim, no, I actually do everything God tells me to do. That's my greatest desire. He goes, actually, you're lying, and the truth isn't in you. Okay? Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but can we all just agree we have sin? Okay? So here's the second thing. He says, so first of all, you've got to realize you have sin. The second thing, he goes, if you claim to never have sinned, so now he's like, okay, so maybe you have sin, but, you know, but I don't really sin. I don't really do bad things. He goes, again, the reality here is then you're calling God a liar. So basically God has shown his light into our darkness and what he's trying to help us to see is, listen, you guys, I, want, I just want you to know. Like when he, when he chose the Israelites and he called them down and he gave them the Ten Commandments, his whole purpose was, listen, I just want to show you guys what I'm like, and I want to show you how far away you are from me. You're just not like me. It's why everything's screwed up. It's why your heart is empty and your relationships are broken and you're constantly yearning for more because you're so caught up in yourself and you're doing your own things and you're living in ways that aren't my ways. You guys get that? So he says, if you are sitting here today, and apparently, because the, the point of writing this letter to these guys is there was a whole group of people who didn't think they had a sin issue. And I really think there, there's, there's two very good options here, okay? And it's true. Some of us, probably in this room, have never felt any conviction for sin. You just, you think you're a good person, and you're good to go. What God's truth and his light, when it shines in your life, you finally see and you go, I'm not a good person. I mean, sure, I might do good things. I do not follow God, and I don't follow his ways, and I'm in my own world. And when everybody's in their own world, it causes so much friction and pain and damage. Now, some of you, are sitting in here today, and you're going, well, you know what? I, I, yeah, the last, last thing I would ever do is claim to not have sin. I know I have sin, but you're like the first, in the first verse, we look, in verse 6, you just don't think it's that big of a deal. Yeah, sure, I don't follow God, but so what? Or I don't do the things that he wants, but, you know, I'm a good person. The, the good outweighs the bad, right? So come on, give me a break. And so what he's saying is, listen, one of the love illusions, the dramatic change that will happen in a human being. Once you've actually encountered a holy God who will have nothing to do with your sin. Okay, even as I said that, see, that makes me want to weep. Why am I not experiencing God? Why do I believe all these things about him and yet don't have this fellowship or this intimacy with him? You guys, part of the reason is because you're, you have sin. And because you sin. Because I have sin and I sin. And God is pure and light and he can have nothing to do with it. You guys following this? See, so you know what, what a love illusion is? One of the most loving things you can do with yourself, right? Is uh, it's so funny. One time I was having these funky things going on in my chest years ago as a single guy. And I went to the doctor and I said, and I walked in and I was sitting there waiting. So, you know, you tell the nurse what the problem is. And I'm sitting in the doctor uh, office waiting for him. He walks through the door and the first thing he says to me is, what's her name? I'm like, I, I, what do you mean? He goes, what's her name? And I go, what are you talking about? 
He goes, no guy comes to the doctor by himself. Who talked you into coming? What's her name? And it was hilarious because it was. There was these two girls that were friends of mine who made me go. Isn't that hilarious? You see, we have such a hard time. We don't even want to find out what's wrong, right? See, I'm telling you, when my mom was dying from cancer, this is one of the biggest struggles that we had and that I had with her, to be honest with you. Mom, I know you don't want to go to the doctor because if you go, you're probably going to find out what's true. But if it's true, it's in there. So go to the doctor so we can find out. You guys know what I'm saying? See, you're so afraid of finding out what's true so you won't go to the doctor. Are you loving yourself? And I'm sure, okay, let me just share this. My mom wouldn't go to the doctor. By the time they went in, it was so all over her system, it was helpless. Because she denied the truth. One of the most loving things that I can say to you today is you are so full and I'm so full of sin that keeps me away from God, and that's the truth. And if I have a love illusion with myself, the dramatic change that happens is I'm finally honest with myself, and I'm not going to lie anymore, I'm not going to deceive, and I'm not going to call God a liar anymore. I'm going to go ahead and say, yeah, God, you know, my heart's really ugly. That's the really bad news. But I, I don't know about you two, one of the things I hate more than anything is when my friends are really sick and they go to the doctor and they can't find out why. Don't you hate that? You go and you go to another doctor, another doctor, another doctor, you can't find out what's wrong with you. See, some of you might be sitting here and go, why does every relationship fail? Why, do I, why am I afraid all the time? Why am I so insecure? Why am I so selfish? Why am I so angry? Why can't I forgive? Why, why, why? And and God is so loving to shine his holy, perfect, beautiful light inside your heart and say, because you sin. Because you live like this. I'm just telling you, man, you can't have fellowship with God without a really clear realization that you got a problem with sin. Now, let's go to the third one. Actually, no, before we do. You guys all got a card? Did, did, did everybody get a card, 3 by 5 card and a pen? This is so critical, you guys. Um, in fact, uh, yeah, I should have asked this earlier. Make sure you had one. To make the end of the service work for you, man, you are going to want to get a card or use your program or something. Okay, yeah, I need to do this. Um, would you just, right now, Cover your paper so nobody looks at your answers. <laughs> Would you, I'm going to give you just a, a, maybe a minute at the most right now, and then throughout the rest of the service, you can just start writing down. Would you start writing down the realization of your sin? Just start writing down things that you know right now that are a part of your life, and you know they are not a part of God. You are sexually totally outside of God's plan for you. you. You are using all of your finances for yourself instead of being generous. You have people right now that you won't forgive even though you say God forgives you and you won't forgive them and you're holding things against them. You have people you talk about. You slander them. You talk behind their back. You have jealousy. Um, I don't know. You don't follow God. You live for yourself more than you live for him. Just start writing down whatever the Holy Spirit, because here's what I know, the Holy Spirit of God will so, he so wants to set you free today. And he wants you to be in fellowship with God today. So he'll shine his light in your heart and he'll reveal to you and bring things to your mind and I actually am just going to, I'm going to keep going with the message, but you can keep writing these things down anytime you want. As soon as one pops in your head, just write it down, okay? Because I got to share this last thing with you. The greatest thing that happens, the greatest love illusion, the greatest dramatic change that takes place in a human's life is when you finally come to the realization 
of the freedom that's yours. Real, complete freedom. Let's look at it. 1 John verse 8 says this. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, God. I think this is the first verse I memorized. (laughs) Will you really? Yeah, I will. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. My dear children, what's interesting too, the actual word here, you guys, in the Greek was little children. (laughs) It, It was this term of affection like I have for my little kids. And John was writing to his people in his church he loves so much. And he said, oh, my little children, I write this to you so that you won't sin. We're going to get to this later in a few weeks. I actually write to this so that you'll stay in the light. So you'll stay in fellowship with God. So I'm going to write this to you. But if anybody just happens to, which I just shared with you, if you don't, you're a liar. But if anyone does sin, We have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Oh, man. Here we go, you guys. I'm going to share with you right now. If I was going to die this afternoon, it's not my plan. And I could share with you one thing before I left. Here it is. So what John does is he takes us into this courtroom. That's why we have these two tables up here, okay? And basically what happens is he says, there is a cosmic courtroom. And it's crazy because we love courtroom. We love movies about, you know, law and law and order. And we love TV shows. We love this whole, ooh, tension of somebody who did something wrong and what's going to happen to him and all that kind of stuff. And over on one side, what God, what God has been saying is there's this prosecuting attorney over here. It's this this, this spiritual enemy that we have. And his name actually means accuser. (laughs) And all he does is point out everything you do wrong. And everything, every way you fall short. And he loves to condemn and condemn and make you feel like a big, well, that wouldn't be too, loser. You know, and he just goes after you. And then what happens is you sit on the witness stand. And if you're actually honest with yourself, you go, he's right. (laughs) He's right. Everything he's saying about me is true. I am selfish. I am greedy. I do struggle with sexual stuff. I am a liar. I'm living a completely different life. I don't, you, you've got this whole covering. And he goes inside and all of a sudden you just feel condemned. And so what happens in that moment when you, or just, or then if God actually shines his light on you. And he goes, hey, can I just show you? You're guilty. You don't live for me. You live for you. That's called sin. You walk in ways that are opposite of my ways. That's darkness. You're not in fellowship with me. And you sit on the witness stand and you just go, I am. I'm guilty. And so John says, okay, guys, so I'm going to write this to you so you won't sin. But when you do and you're guilty, you have one who speaks to the Father in your defense. You have a defense attorney. (laughs) You have one who gets up and says, okay, So here's how this is going to work. Now, in in some of your readings, the word is advocate. You have an advocate for you. Here's what an advocate was. It is an official relationship. It's legal representation. That's what the word advocate means. In other words, so when, when a person comes alongside you as your advocate, what happens to them happens to you. They come in your place and they stand up for you. You guys understand that? So we have advocates all the time. Really, government officials are our advocates, right? I mean, they're making choices like today. And do you actually uh, go with them with the choices they make? See, see, you do. So what happens to them because of the choices they make, you go with them because they're your advocate. You guys understand that? See, back in the old, uh, in ancient times, uh, sometimes armies would, instead of fighting because they didn't want hundreds and thousands of people to die, they would have champions. This is the David and Goliath story. And so a champion would come out and he would represent the army. He was the advocate. And whatever happened to the advocate, if he won, everybody won. And if you lost, everybody lost. You guys, you guys follow that? See, that's what a lawyer is. A lawyer is someone who comes in place and you don't sit there and you don't say anything. The lawyer actually does the whole work and he stands in your stead and he defends you. 
And if he does a really good job, you win. And if he does a bad job, you lose. He's your advocate. He's the one who's going to stand up for you. Jesus Christ is our advocate. Is that good news? See, and I I don't even know if you know how good it is. Check this out. See, because here's what it says. The scripture says, you have one who stands in our defense, Jesus Christ, the what? The righteous one. See, now that, may, that matters. It's, this is really interesting. I learned, learned this from Tim Keller this week. Great stuff. He said, it doesn't say Jesus Christ, the merciful one. See, because sometimes I think what Jesus does, is our, we think, I did, is that Jesus will get up in front and say, hey, God, yeah, Dave screwed up again. And listen, you know, for me, you know, would you just please pour your grace on his life and just be merciful to him, you know? Just give him one more shot. How many of you guys, don't raise your hand, but how many of you think that that's what happens, right? You sin and you confess your sin to God and Jesus is up there going, oh, come on, God, just father one more time, okay? He's, he's struggling, all right? Let's, let's help him out. See, he is not the merciful one. He is the righteous one. So what Jesus literally does is he stands up and he presents his case. And you know what his case is? I am the atoning sacrifice for your sin. I am. So what Jesus literally does, you guys, as your advocate, when you stand there guilty as charged, and Jesus Christ stands up to defend you, what he does in presenting his case is he says this, your law, Father, demands that sin result in separation from you. Light can have nothing to do with darkness. Yes, Dave walks in darkness. He's absolutely guilty. And we understand that the penalty of that sin is separation from you. That, another word for that is death. If you don't get to be with God, it's called death. That's the problem. And then Jesus stands up and he, he's talking to his father. He's presenting his case, right? He goes, I understand God. Dave's completely guilty. Guilty as charged. The penalty, though, father, has been paid. I paid it. I am the atoning sacrifice. I am pure and holy and righteous. I have done nothing wrong. So when I died, I didn't die for my sin. I had no sin to die for. So instead of dying for my own, I died for the sins of the world. And if anybody confesses their sins, he is faithful and just. God is faithful and what? Merciful? Oh, yeah, you know what? I'm so sorry. No, he's faithful and just. In other words, because he's just, he has to forgive you. You know why he has to forgive you? Because your penalty has already been paid. So what Jesus is literally saying is this. Father, I love this. Here's what I know. You would never demand two deaths for one crime. You would never look at David and say, no, he has to die. When I've already died for him. Because God is just, he looks at Jesus and says, price paid. And you know what? Jesus will take any client... He's like, come on, here I am, baby. I just need some clients. But the problem is the only clients that Jesus takes are those who confess their sin. It's people who finally are not lying to themselves. They're not calling God a liar. They're the people who finally realize, oh my gosh, I have sin. I am separated from God. I need a defending attorney who will pay my price for me. And so Jesus says, if you confess your sins, if you come true with your heart and your reality, you know what will happen? I will become your defense attorney. And my father will accept my death in your place. Is there any greater news? Let me explain it like this. And then we'll, and then we'll go into our worship time. My wife shared this with me from someone she heard. In, in Colossians chapter 2, it says this. You were dead because of your sins. Okay, so there you go. You were dead because of your sins. You were in darkness, so you couldn't have fellowship with God. That's separation from God, and you were dead. Your spirit's dead. And because of your sinful nature, it was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all our sins He canceled the record of the charges against us, and he took it away, nailing it to the cross. That verse right there, he canceled the record of the charges against us. See, what happened in that day and age, you guys, if you were guilty of a crime, you would be put in prison, and there would be a written code 
there would be a record that was nailed right next to your cell. And on that record, it would be, here's what Dave Nelson did, and here's what his sentence is. And as long as you hadn't paid the sentence and you were still guilty, you sat in your cell. Okay? And then, eventually, when the sentence had been paid, okay, you'd done your time or whatever, somebody would take the paper and they would write, canceled on it. Paid in full. It's done. And then what would happen? The prison door would open, right? You would walk out, and what the people would do is kind of lay mis, kind of like lay mis, is the person would take that written note with all of their penalty and all of their crime and the, and the sentence that was on them with canceled written on it, and they'd fold it and they'd take it wherever they went. As a reminder to them, it's paid. It's done. As a reminder to anybody else who might want to say, hey, I know what you did. And they would go, oh, I know. And it's paid. It's done. You guys, what Jesus Christ did is when he paid your penalty, he went up onto everything you've written down and he nailed it, not to the wall of a prison door. He nailed it to the cross. And he said, paid. And that's why Jesus Christ said, it is finished it's finished you know what he did he walked in he took your prison door and he swung it wide open he wrote cancel on your slip and it's sitting right there and all you have to do is what yeah believe it you don't have to work for it you don't have to say oh god yeah no i'll try to do all this for you no he goes all you got to do is step into your freedom Step into your freedom. See, now what happens, we'll get to this in a few weeks, as soon as you step out of that cell, you know what happens? You step into him. You step into the light. And your life is never the same. So here's how we're going to close our service today. We actually went out and got a couple things, and they say canceled on them. And you have a list of your written code and it's nailed right down. You, you know everything that you've done wrong. And you might want to add a couple more. And what we want to do is we're going to take communion up here. Because what Jesus said is, he goes, I want you to remember. Because you are going to so forget your reality. This, this dramatic change that you now, yes, are full of sin. And your sin has completely been taken into me. I have paid your price in full and you are free. You're going to have such a tendency to listen to your own mind, go, no, I did this, and I'm not bad. I'm, you, you, your shame is going to rise up within you. You can't believe that Jesus did what he did is enough for you. You're going to struggle with that. And he said, you know, I, I, okay, we, get, we can't have that happen. I, I didn't do this so you could wallow in your sin anymore. I didn't die for you so that you could have shame overpowering you. Shannon, go ahead and put these pictures up. When I saw the passion of Christ, and uh, sorry, there's kids in here. I, I should have said that. These are really graphic. You might be aware of that. Sorry for that. But I remember when I got done watching this movie, and I sat in the theater. You couldn't, I couldn't move. And all I could think of is, oh, look what he did for me. What am I doing for him? I don't know if you feel that way. Look at what he did for me. What am I doing for him? And I started kind of beating myself up, you know, because I don't live a life like he lived for me. And then all of a sudden, a different voice entered my head. And it was sweet instead of condemning. And it simply said, David, when are you going to fully receive everything that's yours because of what I did for you? See, God, the Father, will never make that happen again towards you. He, once the penalty has been paid, God atoning means satisfied. God's wrath towards sin is satisfied. So he would never, that's why Jesus can say, Father, you be just in this case, I died for that one. You will never cause that punishment to happen twice. But you know what we do? We often look at what Jesus did for us and we say, you know what, Jesus, that wasn't enough. Thanks for doing that for me, but I know I still am really a bad person. Or I know I still really struggle. And we, 
we keep our shame, we don't believe the greatest news in all the world, that it's been paid. He swung open the prison door, and we sit in prison still because we feel like, well, that wasn't long enough. That wasn't bad enough. I'm really a bad person. And Jesus is going, are you kidding me? I died for you so you could be forgiven. It's paid. Enjoy your freedom. So, man, what I want you to do today is I want you to enjoy your freedom. I want you to have a love-illusion with yourself. I want you to be honest with the sin that you just wrote down because it can't, you can't experience the full love of God until you're honest with your sin. And then I want you to take your sin, come up here, grab this stamp, and stamp canceled on it and believe that it's... Take his body that was broken for you. Take his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of your sins and believe it. 